This is the NHL as you remember it. It's an 82-game season. You know the Islanders are motivated after, as I've said a couple of times, back-to-back trips to the NHL Final Four. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 110, as we are within a week of training camp opening for the Islanders as we get going with the 2021-22 NHL season, a full 82-game slate on the docket and high I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday, and uh, please find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And on this episode, I'll be joined by Mike Rupp of the NHL Network, a former ninth overall pick by the Islanders in 1998, who never played for the organization, and he'll, he'll explain that story. He'll tell you why he wound up not signing and going back into the draft and being picked a couple of years later by Lou Lamarillo and the New Jersey Devils, plus uh, Rupper and I uh, go over the Islanders offseason and he gives his thoughts on how the team is positioned coming into this season, coming off of back-to-back trips to the NHL semifinals where they lost both seasons to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And on top of that, Rupper and I discuss the... uh, the Netflix documentary on the UHL's Danbury Trashers uh, and, and Mike Rupp's part in all of that during the NHL owner's lockout of 2004-05. And uh, if you haven't seen the Netflix documentary on the Danbury Trashers, what, what an interesting story. Uh, I won't. I don't want to spoil uh, uh, Rupper's discussion of that, but uh, it, it was fun talking to him about that. And and if you're a hockey fan or, or just a fan of craziness, uh, you might want to check out that Netflix documentary. Also, after that, we'll get a couple of comments uh, from Rupper's old uh, Devils teammate Zach Parisi from uh, Zach's Zoom teleconference with the media. Uh, a few days ago when his signing was officially announced and uh, there's still no uh, word or, or any leaks yet on the contract details of Zach Parisi. And again, you know, after being bought out of a 13-year, $98 million deal by the Minnesota Wild, everyone's expectation certainly is that Zach Parisi is coming to the Islanders on uh, probably a, a short-term deal, most likely a one-year deal. Um, you know, uh, a million a season, $1.5 million per season, somewhere around that. But uh, again, uh, that, that, those details have not leaked out uh, for us to report to you. Um, and, and, and after uh, we hear from Zach, uh, uh, take a few of your questions for Andrew's answers. And as I mentioned, uh, uh, within a week as I record this, um, within a week of the Islanders opening up training camp at Northwell Health Ice Center, the first day, the first on-ice sessions 
will be on September 23rd. I believe that's a Thursday. Um, The Islanders are not holding a rookie camp. They're not holding a developmental camp, even though some other teams are doing that. The Rangers, for instance, have been on the ice uh, for a while with their their prospects, and the Devils are opening up a rookie camp as well. But after the Islanders uh, announced those flurry of signings, uh, including the Zach Parisi, and I'm also talking about uh, the Sorokin and the Kyle Palmieri deals and uh, Anthony Beauvillier. Um, after that kind of flurry, uh, the Islanders have gone quiet again as we uh, get excited for the start of training camp. But, you know, I, I was reflecting on this the other day, and it really seems like the bubble, the playoff bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, uh, ever since that season restarted in those playoff bubbles, this almost feels like just one continuous season in a way. Uh, through the January to July um, uh, slate of games that the the NHL got through last season, again, crowning the Lightning as the uh as the NHL champs, um, and then, you know, some time off in, in August, uh, well, for me, uh, you know, uh, but now getting ready for camp and, and on to, like I said, an 82-game season. And, and again, I, I was just sitting there, and, and it just kind of struck me that this just, I know there's been some, you know, player turnover and, and some uh, personnel that's been cha- changed up, trades and all that. But in a way, this really does feel like a continuous story. And I'm just curious whether the player, players see it like that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, been, it's been very different. Obviously, the playoff bubble experience uh, you hear the players talk about it. It was a different experience being cut off like that. Certainly last season there was there was travel involved, although it was really limited um, compared to what the players are used to, uh, meaning just games within the division, 56-game uh, regular season. Uh, so as we head into an 82-game season, I think it's going to be interesting to see not just the Islanders, but but which teams handle this the best going back to an 82-game season with full travel off a shorter than usual for many teams uh, offseason. Uh, you know the Islanders are motivated after, as I've said a couple of times, back-to-back trips to the NHL Final Four, losing one year to the Lightning in, in six games, losing this past season in seven games in, in heartbreaking fashion, uh, one nothing in Game 7 at Tampa. Honestly, can't get closer to the Cup Final. Uh, and, and, and really, you know, it almost seems like it go, could go one of two ways where, where this really pushes the Islanders to be even better this season. Or, and, and you know, not specifically with the Islanders, there are cases where teams that get this close, yeah, the players just know how hard and how long uh, a trip it is to get from day one at training camp all the way through the playoffs, and it overwhelms some teams sometimes after uh, 
after they 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 get so close to success or even some championship teams the next season they come back knowing you got to do it again some teams just can't do that i'll be honest that's not what i expect out of the islanders i i think barry trotz and lou lamarillo really you know you've got to trust their finger on the pulse of this team and their ability to uh, suss that kind of stuff out early if it's happening, which again, I don't think that's going to be the case. And the Islanders have shown they can get off to good starts under Barry Trotz. But this season will be a very challenging one with a 13-game road trip before UBS Arena at Belmont Park opens on November 20th against the Calgary Flames. And again, I, I talked to Mike Rupp about his thoughts on the pros and cons of starting the season with with that kind of challenging road trip, and uh, as I mentioned, you know this is this is the NHL as you remember it. It's an 82 game season. Everyone's playing everyone else, and it's back to the divisions that you, you're used to. So the the Islanders are back in the Metropolitan Division, and that's that's with the Rangers, Devils, Flyers, Penguins, Capitals, Hurricanes, and Blue Jackets. And, and they're only only the top three teams are guaranteed playoff spots out of those eight. And then there are the two wild cards between the Metropolitan Division and the Atlantic Division, which to review is the Sabres, Bruins, Red Wings, Canadians, Panthers, Senators, Maple Leafs, and the two-time defending champion Lightning. Now, the Bruins, the Canadians, the Panthers, and the Maple Leafs, and the Lightning out of the, the, the back in the Atlantic Division. So five teams from the Atlantic Division, even though they were all playing, you know, the Canadians played in an all-Canadian division. But five of those eight Atlantic Division teams for this season are returning playoff teams. And, uh, you know, doing the math, that that's nine returning playoff teams in the Eastern Conference with only eight spots available. Three of the Eastern Conference teams comprised the NHL's Final Four last season between the Canadians, Lightning, and the Islanders. Vegas was also in there. They got beat by uh, by the Canadians in, in somewhat of an upset. And, and the not-so-subtle point I'm trying to make here is that qualifying for the playoffs ain't going to be easy. Not that it ever is, but, you know, the Rangers... They should be in playoff contention. They, they've been building towards it. New GM and President Chris Drury has uh, followed the mandate and made that team tougher. Gerard Gallant, you, you've seen what he's done at a couple of spots in, in being able to get his team into the playoffs. He hasn't proven to be all that great at, at holding on to the jobs, but he does get his teams to the playoffs, and he and he turns those teams around pretty quickly. Uh, the, the Flyers could be an improved team if the defense holds up and if they can find a goalie who can stop the puck. Uh, the Senators also uh, could be an up-and-coming team. So they're, they're, the Eastern Conference, again, a not-so-subtle point. It's not going to be any sort of cakewalk here for the Islanders. They can't just snap their fingers and assume they're going to be one of the top eight teams in the conference. And as you hear, you'll hear Mike Rupp uh, uh, discuss, he certainly expects the Islanders to be uh, one of the top teams in the NHL 
But they're going to have to work for it, and I do think it's going to be interesting, again, not just watching the Islanders, but watching teams around the league, how they react uh, to to the start of the season and being back to normal divisions and and a normal 82-game schedule. And as I mentioned, whether the players sort of have the same feeling that I do, that it's everything has blended into each other since the playoff bubble and they've just kept going and going and going and are any teams going to fall by the wayside under the grind of that but uh you know that's something that we will monitor and then get to see over the course of this upcoming season and to uh kind of look ahead to training camp and uh, the Islanders' prospects this season and all those other topics I discussed. Here's Mike Rupp of the NHL Network. Thrilled to be uh, joined again. I think he's a repeat guest on Island Ice, but uh, my good friend Mike Rupp uh, covered him with the Rangers and certainly you know him from the NHL Network. And uh, Rupper, how you doing and uh, how's your offseason been? And it's it's finally uh, I shouldn't say finally it, you know it seems like it was a very quick off season but we're starting up other teams are having development in rookie camps but the Islanders are doing nothing until uh, training camp opens uh, they got medicals on September 22nd first day on ice is September 23rd and let me just ask you a broad question here um, as you look at the Islanders and you know. Obviously, you know Lou as well as anyone else. Um, what what Lou did this offseason, he winds up trading Nick Letty for, for cap reasons. And obviously, Jordan Everly gets left unprotected. He heads to the Seattle Kraken, but you bring in a Zach Parisi. Um, you know, wh- where do you think the Islanders are going into training camp? And uh, how do you like their prospects for this season? signing for them, getting uh, uh, Kyle Palmieri re-signed, you know, getting him back into the fold, uh, you know, as he went into unrestricted free agency. And it turns out, you know, Palms is, is not a, a rental, as many might have assumed when uh, when Lou acquired him from the Devils. Um, what, 
did, did you like the fit you saw with Palmieri and the Islanders, uh, you know, w- when you were watching the team through the playoffs? about, you know, some of the the moves Lou is able to pull off, and, and to me, maybe the most impressive thing uh, he did, and, and it allowed him to re-sign Kyle Palmieri, was he got out from under uh, Andrew Ladd's contract um, by basically dealing Ladd to the, the Coyotes for, for no return, just for the Coyotes to take on that contract, and that allows Lou the, the salary cap room to, to re-sign Kyle Palmieri amongst others, I, I you know I thought that was I thought that was a really a sneaky good move by Lou's part because uh, you know I didn't personally think Lou might be able to find a, a team that would take on Andrew Ladd's uh, contract at this point. No, neither did I. I mean, that was one of the deals where um, I got us quote unquote uh, professionals on this side of it. <laughs> You know, I, I, I've been asked this, so I, I will ask you this question. Um, 
the Islanders right now, do you, do you think they're a better team, as good a team, or, or not quite as good a team as the team that started last season when you consider Jordan Everly is in Seattle and, and Nick Letty is, is now in Detroit and, uh, you know, Lou, Lou forced to make those two moves. Obviously we talked about Kyle Palmieri, Zach Parisi is coming in, but, you know, there might still be, you know, a spot amongst the six D-men, you know, that Lou has to fill for a left shooting uh, D-man, uh, you know, unless Thomas Hickey is going to reclaim that role. So, you know, do you do you see the loss of Everly and Letty? You know, how does that compute compared to where they were at this time last season? I think they're in a better position now. Um, and and I, I, I hate, you know, always giving the – have to – Give a disclaimer on it. They, I, I think that Jordan Everly was really good fit for the Eric for the time he was in on the island. Um, but what I'll say though is every season that passes, I know that at this point and because of his age, you're going to be continuing to see the evolution of Ben Marcel. And so I expect him to be better. I expect him to take another step. And I think he has been taking steps in his career. Um, I, I, I think Pelican Fullock are the best and all the National Hockey League. So another year of having them there is, 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 is great. And just having the continuity between this group and through its players, I, I think it's fantastic. So, yeah, I, I still would expect Lou, like you mentioned, to do some depth, um, get some depth guys in there, maybe some very uh, underwhelming moves, maybe as far as fans are concerned, but they're going to be the proper moves to solidify Zach, and obviously you were a teammate of his, right, with the uh, with the Devils uh, very early in his career, I believe. Is, is that correct? Going through some of his 
player, and I was talking to Denny Potvin about this, um, and, and he was recalling, he was with the Islanders, obviously, when uh, the Islanders acquired Zach's father, uh, J.P. Parisi, from the Minnesota North Stars, and uh, J.P. Parisi was actually three years younger than Zach was uh, now. Uh, J.P. was 34 when he came over uh, from Minnesota, the North Stars, not the Wild, but sort of the same situation where uh, the Minnesota franchise had kind of evaluated that, you know, uh, J.P. Parisi, you know, the better days of his career had, had passed already. And, you know, Denny Potvin talked about sort of the chip that J.P. Parisi had coming to the Islanders to prove that he still could, you know, be a very productive player. And, and he said if if Zach's got any of the genes of his father, you know, even at 37, that's what he expects from Zach to have, you know, that extra little bit of motivation to, to prove that, you know, the wild did not make the right call in buying out that contract. Is that just a natural reaction for an athlete in the spot? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that you got to sit there and, and I, I think part of it, and I'm just going to speak from, from my vantage point, it, it's hard being a player, I, I think that the hard part when you're taking lesser of a role in your career, and obviously I'm not the superstar that Zach has been or some of these other guys, but it, we still deal with the same things. And when you have to take lesser of a role, it, it, as long as the, as long as you're on a contender and the team's winning, that's all way okay. But when you know you can help the team out and you're not getting those opportunities, that's where it's a tough pill to swallow. And I think that in that situation in Minnesota, Zach was not going to play in line one anymore. You know, he maybe wasn't going to play the line two anymore. He found himself as a healthy scratch. He knows that he can play. And so if he was a healthy scratch on the Tampa Bay Lightning, he'd be fine with it. Why? Because we're winning. We're going to win a cup. And we're, you know, but, but that, that wild team's still trying to figure things out. He's got a great start to it. Bill Garrett's done a phenomenal job. So I think that's why when he comes to a team like, like the Islanders, it's like, all right, I'm going to get a chance to do something here. And, but we're going to have a chance to, we're going to have a chance to win. And we're, we have a chance to win Stanley Cup. So he's going to do everything he can to be a part of it. But if Barry Trotz is asking six minutes for one night for Zach Crazy, you know what? He's going to put his head down and do it. Why? Because we have a chance to do something special. But at the same rate, don't be surprised if this guy's out there on PT1 and gets the odd game or two or plays up with Matt Barzell. He's, he, he's still he's got Uber talent around the net. He's a dog on the puck. And uh, that, that's needed. I, I'll tell you this. The Minnesota Wild, I think, would have beaten the uh, Vegas Golden Knights if they had Zach in that whole series. Oh. And the reason why is because our contract Flurry needed to be disturbed. That's not Zach's bread butter. He scored all of his goals in his career within five years of that. I used to tease him because I said, you have a, uh, how do you score so many goals in such uh, Like, if you're talking from distance, he, he, I don't think he ever scored from distance, but around the net, talking about touch. So now you've got him without a touch. You've got Anders Lee, who's got great touch around the net. And with Lee out, you saw Brock Nelson start to establish himself more uh, in, in front of the net. I mean, Kyle Palmieri, he goes to those areas. I mean, they've got these guys now that are going to make it tough on other teams' goalies, and they're going to score some ugly goals, and that's the name of the game. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, you're talking about accepting your role, and I think that's one of the best qualities Barry Trotz, and obviously Lou Lamarillo, too, is is that they they define the the roles and the responsibility and they 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 put it in black and white how you fit into the puzzle and how you're helping the organization and you know you you talk to any player who's talk who's played for Barry and and Lou and there there's just no gray area you're not left guessing at all as to what's expected of you. Yeah. Right? Like you, you, you value that. Everybody thinks that you can say what you want about sports and he comes across as being abrasive and he absolutely is abrasive. But the other thing is he's very refreshing as a player because you know exactly where you stand. Yeah. So you're not sitting there wondering to yourself, oh man, what am I, you know, is he happy with me? Is he not? No, you know. <laughs> it's pretty clear. <laughs> you know how uh, John Torrell thinks. And that's what Barry Trotz is. Barry Trotz has been around the game a long time. He's a, he's a very, very well respected guy inside the room. And he's going to tell you, he's going to make the tough calls. And uh, when a guy like that, that's all you can ask for as a player. Just tell me where I stand. Don't, don't tell me, don't, don't fabricate things good, don't fabricate things bad. Tell me where I'm at and what to expect, and I can do my thing and, and, and try to you know, change the narrative into the way I want it to be. Yeah, no, I, you always hear from athletes is all the, and it, and it doesn't matter the sport. I've covered football, baseball, basketball. doesn't matter the sport. An athlete just wants a coach to be honest with you and, and to let you know where you stand. And, uh, you know, if you're bad, to let you know. If you're good, to let you know. And, and like you said, you know, Barry's great at that. Uh, you know, all the successful coaches really are, are, are good at that. Torts, Torts was brilliant at it because you never guessed with Torts. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You didn't like what he said 90% of the time, but you knew where he stood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, I mean, you, you know John, I know John, and, and you know, you can do podcasts. People, if people actually met Torts away from the rink, they they would be surprised at how much they actually like Torts as a person, um, because he he's a, he's a really decent human being, and a lot of people don't really know that. So, um, let, let me ask you, you: you brought up Matthew Barzell, and uh, you know the Islanders certainly have some young talent. They got Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, Matthew Barzell, Anthony Beauvillier is still a very young player, even though he's an NHL veteran. The, the defenseman, uh, Noah Dobson and even Pelik Pulak, you know, they've got young to in their prime players, but you also have a really good group of, you know, guys 30 and over, you know, the, the whole fourth line with Casey Cal and, and, and Matty Martin. Uh, you got Zach Parisi, you got Kyle Palmieri, Anders Lee, Josh Bailey. Is that a, a, a good mix or, you know, t- at some point is Lou going to have to do something about making this team a little bit younger? Long term, yeah, maybe, but um, right now I, I love the mix of it because they, they need each other. Oliver Wallstrom, he needs veteran players around him. Um, you know, the veteran players. They need Oliver Wallstrom around them. They, they need Matt Marcel. They need the youth. They need the spunkiness of that group. And uh, sort of they, they, they need to, sometimes to be naive in this league or, 
well. So I'm I, I expecting big things out of Noah Dobson. I think that if he has a big year, that's going to be extremely uh, huge and tipping the scales for the Islanders. So uh, I, I think it's a, a really good mix. I guess the one thing that I, I guess if there's one concern by me, and it's, I feel weird even saying it because um, I, I think it's because I've said it for so long, is how good, you know, Cal's been, how good Matty Martin, how good uh, Casey Zegas has been. I, I just, we've talked about that for so many years. At some point, <laughs> yeah. at some point, you know, modern time never loses. It's going to start going the other way. And that's my only concern. And, and, and I feel stupid saying that because they've given us no indication that it should happen or right. it's going to happen. But that's, that to me, if these guys can keep the going, then yeah, the teams, the team would be the, one of the probably top two teams to beat, in my opinion, in the conference. But that could change a lot of things. If now all of a sudden, you know, that team starts to show some age, or sorry, that line starts to show a little bit of age. Yeah, no, and it's interesting. They re-up Casey Sezikis for, you know, six more years, you know, in a very team-friendly cap number, 2.5 million with the idea that this, you know, identity heart and soul player, you know, gets a chance to maybe retire as an Islander. And, you know, Matt Martin's got three more years on his deal. And now, you you know, obviously this is not a, a going into training camp question, but after the season now, you know, do you bring Cal back on another, you know, multi-year deal just because those three play together so well? But, you know, again, that's, that's down the road. That's not looking at it right now, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's bang on. I mean, they, right now, they're still, everything they've shown, they're very effective. They're difference makers. Um, I don't expect anything different from that line. So uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's more just, you know, you're looking at teams, you're trying to, you're trying to be nitpicky. I guess if I'm being nitpicky, it's the way that, that, that line has played over the years that, being a guy that has to play that, or that had to play that heavy game when I played, it starts to wear on you after a while. So uh, that, that that would be the only thing if I'm being nitpicky about this group. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you saw, you know, a player who, you know, uh, Ryan Callahan, uh, your, your old teammate. Obviously, the way he played, it wore down his body eventually. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure that's. You know, that's the same way that uh, Casey Sezikis plays and Clutter plays and, uh, you know, Matt Martin plays. But, um, hey, I, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but obviously, you know, you get drafted ninth overall by the Islanders in 98, um, but you never sign and you, you go back to juniors and then you wind up getting picked by the Devils uh, two years later uh, in the in the third round. Any, you know, I, I know the Islanders organization at that time was not the most stable uh, organization, and certainly the Devils organization you went into uh, was the exact opposite. Lou had that, well, like he's got the Islanders right now, just a, you know, a, a, a model uh, of how to run an organization. But, you know, do you, do you ever look back at that? I don't want to say regrets, but, you know, do you ever – wonder what if, if you had just come out to the Islanders or, you know, it worked out well with you, you know, waiting two years for the Devils, but do you have any what ifs on that? <laughs> um, no, I absolutely don't. And, hmm. and I don't mean it to be disrespectful, but that time was not a good time for the New York Islanders. No. It was a good time for players playing for the New York Islanders. So, um, you know, it was a situation that I was very, very proud 
franchise like that. I was excited about it. Um, I was a player that was a project, and I was going to take some time. And that was a team and an organization that um, they drafted me where, where they drafted me. I mean, I went earlier than I was projected to, and it surprised me. I go with ninth overall. I thought it was going to be probably the 20s of the, of the first round. And so, um, you know, it's, it was a situation there where uh, it, it was tough at the time. I know uh, Mike Milbury was the GM, and there wasn't much conversation leading up to the wee hours of, of having to sign. You got that two-year window, right? So I think it's coming up to um, uh, in June of 98 and coming up to June 1st of 2000. Uh, I, I, it was the last day, and I remember Mike Milbury made a, uh, a really low offer. I would have been the lowest paid, uh, lowest signing bonus of, of top end pick ever. Jeez. And, it, you know, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, hey, I, I didn't ask you guys to draft me ninth overall, but, draft, you know, you, you draft me ninth overall, like, you know, there, you, there's a certain value in that. And, uh, I don't know, just, just I, we said no, and, uh, said, uh, you know, if that's all you're willing to do, then prepare to have Mike go back in the draft. And then um, Mike Milbury said, fine, he hung up on my agent and wouldn't accept his call for the remaining hours. <laughs> Take it away. So then the next morning I woke up and I remember thinking, my agent called me. He's like, well, you're going back into the draft. I'm like, did this really just happen? So um, I was doing, I was, it was nerve-wracking, you know, as a young guy, but um I, I obviously got drafted by the New Jersey Devils who were very patient at the time, and I, and I got a cup out of it, so I can't ever regret that. The one thing I, I, I don't want to say regret, I love my time with, with the New York Rangers. It was very tough on me, though. I've never talked about this before. Is when I became a UFA after like the 2011 season, uh, before I signed with the Rangers, um, you know, it was the time of my career was coming up three years as far as the fourth liner of my comp. I was kind of the best, the, 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 I guess the, the top fourth line depth guy coming out of uh, coming in the free agency. So there's a lot of teams. It was really rewarding for me to, to feel wanted that way. And uh, Gar Snow was he, his pitch was, hey, this is where it started. It didn't work out the way you wanted, but like let them in the right way with the organization that drafted you. And that was really appealing to me. I wanted to be a New York Islander, and uh, it was really tough, and uh, especially when. I have to go sign with the New York, and I end up signing with the Rangers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, people may not believe that, but I wanted to be a New York Islander, and uh, especially now with the teams accomplishing the new arena, it's an exciting time. Uh, it just came, uh, it just came years after me. Uh, at that time, back in '98, I think the fans would agree, it just really wasn't a good time to be an Islander. No, no. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, like I said, you know, that was as dysfunctional as an organization could get between, you know, yeah, it seemed like you had a new owner every three weeks and some of them, you know, at least a couple of them wound up in jail and, you know, and Mike. We had, we had training, we had training camp. Okay, so here's, here's the thing. I wasn't going to make the team. I wasn't ready, like I said, out the projects, but, uh, you know, Mike kept me around. Um, I was going to go back to Erie in the OHL, but he wanted to keep me around as long as he could in training camp to kind of just be around the guys and see the NHL life. And, and I was appreciative of that, and it was it was great. But I remember having a meeting for the season started. And, and, and this is not a knock to Mike. It, it's not a knock. I mean, it's hard for a guy in his position to navigate running this team when there's, there's influx as far as the ownership goes. And we had a 
Yeah. And so you had the, the shaft and blade. I, I want to say that the, in this in this meeting, Mike was like, right, "This is what we got this year. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go uh, a, a dozen, like a dozen or two dozen shafts and like two or three dozen blades." <laughs> guys are like, "What?" chartering flights, but I, I know deep into the 90s, yeah, they were still flying coach, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's been fun to watch the development over, you know, the first three seasons of Lou and Barry. And like you say, they certainly, you know, uh, I mean, look, they lost twice in a row to the cup champion in the NHL Final Four. You, you really don't get closer than that to, to lifting a cup. So um, I, I also, uh, one of the, uh, one of my uh, subscribers here, and and I had the same thought. Um, I just was wondering, did, have you seen that Netflix uh, documentary on the Danbury Trashers yet? And are you planning on on watching that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, I definitely watched it. Um, uh, you know, I'm in it for like the two minutes, and <laughs> uh, it, it had that little cameo in it. And it was uh, it was during the lockout back in '74. Uh, yeah, we, we taped this stuff with uh, Netflix uh, probably 18, 20 months ago. I taped it with them in New Jersey, and uh, because of COVID, I think I got put on hold. I didn't know if this thing was going to come out, but this thing's caught fire. It's kind of kind of taken out a world of its own. Like you have you have Drake that's wearing a Trasher jersey while he's debuting his his album, and it's just kind of blown up. So it's been uh, it's been crazy. What does anything? I, I mean, I remember attending one press conference up in Danbury. Um, I, I forgot which player it was that, but they brought in a player from the Washington Capitals, and uh, the, the the kid Galante like leads them into this press conference where there are fans all over the place holding up like a fake WWE like yeah. wrestling belt. And they had this press conference, and the fans are going nuts. And I, I thought it was Doig, but I, I think – Yeah, okay, right, Pete, okay. <laughs> um, like, it, it was just I, – I, obviously, there was a lockout. Guys are looking to play someplace. And, and this team, the UHL, tried to be, in a, you know, a, an outlet for you guys. But, you know – does the does the documentary even you know scratch the surface of how crazy that that league and that and that team was? Yeah, no, it was absolutely. 
now you played 14 regular season games five goals five assists and 30 penalty minutes in 14 games which is not outrageous and then uh, in the playoffs you played 11 you go three and four and you have 38 penalty minutes in, in 11 playoff games and you know I know compared to some of your teammates your, your your penalty minutes were probably on the low side for some of the team right
Jimmy with his uh, Italian uh, way of speaking just said, Michael, when we get off the phone, I want you to go on the website of the team, look at our roster. Nobody will even look at you. Nobody's gonna, no one's going to challenge you. No one's going to touch you. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I go on the roster and I look. And I'm like, there's some underground career heavyweight fighters on this roster. And we legitimately had eight, nine heavyweights. And we would go and play in places. And the other team would have one comeback. He wouldn't even look up from his knee laces. Like everybody was, it was the smallest story I'd ever heard in my life about Rock Street Bullies. I've heard stories of guys, I've talked to guys who played against them, and they said that there would be guys on their team that couldn't tie their skates. Trainers had to tie their skates because they were shaking before they went out for the first period against the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't know if it was to that extreme, but it, it was as, as close as we're going to get. Uh, we go out there, and, and so, yeah, I never had a fight. I never had, I was a, it was hilarious. I loved it. I was a goal scorer with the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> said I was just there tangentially you know for press conferences and I think I saw a game or two but it's it's only it's almost like this mythical period in in hockey where where like this confluence of you know you had the lockout and uh, you just had players looking to play and you had this crazy story with the Galantes and it it just came together and uh, you know it for you to have been a part of that must, you know, it's something I know, like I said, it, it's crazy, but I'm sure, you know, it, it, it's a good story, you know, to tell in the, in the dressing rooms and, 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 you know, over a beer late at night, just to tell stories about that league. Yeah. I, you know, and I've done it over the years, but then there's a lot of time where it just never, never came up. So I'm getting, I've gotten texts from uh, former teammates, some current players now that I either I played with or, or just casually know, and they're like, they had no idea I even played. So you're like, you're they're watching this documentary, and the thing that they done is like, probably a little more than halfway through, all of a sudden it shows my ugly mug on there, and it's like, what? Wait, what? This girl's there, you know? So I don't know. It's kind of it was kind of nuts, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's something you couldn't uh, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't make it up. You really couldn't, and. Um, it's uh, it's incredible. It's like a documentary. Yeah. Well, hey, um, I, I just wanted to uh, kind of wrap it up. Just ask you one more Islanders question here. Um, obviously, you mentioned the new arena. It's it's not opening for the Islanders until November twentieth, which means the Islanders are starting with a thirteen game road trip. Now, you know that's that's broken up. They'll come home a few times. There are a few local games in there too. So it's not. You're on the road for five weeks, but still, you you open up with 13 road games. What are as 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 a hockey player? What are the pros and what can be the cons of of that kind of schedule? And and how difficult will that be for the Islanders to navigate? Um, the, the good things are, and we talk about every year. You want a you want a long road trip, um, maybe not that long during <laughs> your season, but you want a long road trip early. I always found that. Where we had an Eastern Conference, when you had when you had your Western Canada swing.
swing or your your California swing earlier in the season, they get you an opportunity to get out there. This new guy, get on the road, get to dinners. I mean, these things are invaluable. You got to get out there. You got to get out there as a group. You know, sometimes the team will schedule some, uh, maybe get a, an absolute off-ice day where you can schedule something where the guys go out and it's, you know, you can catch a baseball game or you're, you're going and you're doing something, right? Or you, you, you just, you're bonding. And that, that's always big. The, the other side about it, as far as being negative, uh, I'm going to take this page out of the, the John Tortorella book because this is something I really learned from him. And I learned it late in my career. It's only something if you let it become something. And Torts used to come in the room, and I know that you know most of our listeners are Islander fans. They're like, all right, enough of this Ranger garbage. <laughs> I'm just saying that. I'm just saying this because you know what, Lou, Lou, would, Lou is the same verbiage. This is what Lou would say something like this too, and, and this is the mindset. I think the Islanders with Trotsky, they're going to do this. It's don't believe it. Don't believe the lies. That's basically what what we would always be told. Don't believe the lies. You're not tired. Why are you tired? Or are you back to back games? Why are you tired? Who, who says you're tired? Don't believe you're tired. It's a mental thing. Playing in the NHL is mental. And when you start saying like, oh, it's a back to back game, I better, you know, I gotta, uh, yeah, I don't know, I gotta watch, I'm gonna be tired, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. No, get that out of your head. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, it is if you let it get in your head. Oh man, what, this is gonna be, a, it, it, that's where it gets tricky. And so I think if there's a team in this league that's built to survive this, it's them. They play that style where I don't think the New York Islanders' highs are the highest in the league. I mean, you see nights where you watch the Colorado Avalanche, you're like, holy crap, this looks like the Globetrotters. You know, you watch the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, you think it too. But if you ever watch Colorado on their bad nights, their bad nights, they're really bad. Yeah. On Tampa's bad nights, they're really bad. Most teams are. New York Islanders, they don't, they don't have that depth. Like they're pretty safe. Their highs might not be as high as some of the top-end teams, but their lows certainly aren't anywhere near. They're very steady. So I, I think this is a team that can survive that, but it's about that mindset. I think that's what Trotsky's going to be approaching it with. Yeah, no, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I've heard Barry, I mean, he said that to the media many times, that, you know, it's just it's a mental state of mind, and he doesn't think players should be tired on – on back-to-backs at all, you know, and, and, and honestly, you know, <laughs> trips like this, it probably means less practices, and I know players aren't opposed to that, so there, there's a positive, right? Yeah, yeah, hey, anytime you get going with this practice, uh, the boys are going to be all for it, so it's going to be a really good thing. <laughs> all right, hey, Mike, listen, I, I really appreciate you spending so much time with this. It's always great to uh, catch up with you and, and to get your insight on this stuff. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, as things open up again, I'll actually get to see you around the rink uh, here or there. Are, are you planning on coming to uh, see the new UBS arena at some point? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to uh, – first opportunity I get, I'm going to head up there, obviously, and – with the NHL Network, we're in Secaucus, New Jersey, so I'm in the area often, and uh, yeah, I want to get out there as soon as I can. Excellent, excellent. I uh, I look forward to catching up with you, and uh, you know, Rupper, all, all the best to your family. Thanks so much again. Alright, thanks, Andrew. Anytime, buddy. So, thank you to uh, Mike Rupp, Rupper. Um, again, uh, you know, you hear me say this a lot, and I, I just think it's true of the NHL. Uh, you, 
the NHL breeds good people and good people are, are attracted to the NHL and, and Rupper is certainly one of the good people. Uh, really enjoyed covering him uh, when he was with the Rangers. Always great guy to sit down and chat with and not surprised at all that he's had the success that he's had uh, transitioning to a television analyst and, you know, uh, and, and, and his media work, uh, and he tells great stories. So, uh, thank you, Mike Rupp for hopping on. And, uh, before getting to Andrew's answers, uh, as I said, I just wanted to play a couple of clips from Zach Parisi off of his Zoom, Zoom teleconference when his signing was announced. And, uh, uh, the, the first was, and as you heard Rupper talk about, uh, Zach being zeroed in on the Islanders. I mean, he mentioned during the teleconference there might have been two or three teams uh, that, you know, he investigated and might have had interest in. Um, Two or three teams, uh, it does seem like he focused on the Islanders pretty quickly. And Zach talks about, you know, the allure of playing for a Lou Lamarillo team and what kind of similarities he sees with this Islanders team as to the uh, Lou Lamarillo teams he played with or played on while with the New Jersey Devils. I think um, there's, you always feel like there's a certain way that Lou's teams play, um, the way they compete, the way um, top to bottom, just, you know, they, they always play the game the right way and, um, and that was always the case in New Jersey. Um, and, and since then I had kept in touch with him, um, off and on, you know, throughout the years. And, um, so we, we've, we've kept our, kept the relationship there. And, and as far as the players and the team, I mean, um, I've skated with Brock for the last couple of years. Um, you know, I've known Anders a little bit, but playing with Greener for that long a time, having, um, getting to be good buddies with him from New Jersey, you know, those, those type of things help with the transition. Um, and just when you see some familiar faces in the locker room, um, you know, it's always hard going to a new spot, but I think when you have that comfort of guys that, you know, um, guys you're familiar with, it just seems to ease the transition a lot. And then secondly, uh, Zach Parisi, uh, one, one of the things that came through on his teleconference is he is stu- still supremely confident in his abilities and, and he knows that he can contribute and help this team. And uh, he spoke a little bit on on his belief as to why uh, he can still be a productive player, particularly on the offensive end for the Islanders. A lot of, a lot of mixed emotions after that. Um, but, you know, still some, some sense of relief at the same time. Um, but when something like that does happen, yeah, of course you want to... Uh, get back to work right away and, and be ready for the following season. Just, to, you know, I, I know personally that, that I've still got a lot of good hockey left in me, um, but, you know, they didn't see it like that. And so um, to me, it made it a unique but pretty exciting summer um, with just a little, you know, it's just a little extra motivation, like you said, um, to, to, yeah, I don't know if the word is proved I'm wrong, but, um you know, just to know that for myself, and, and honestly, that was my mentality last year too in the playoffs when I wasn't playing. Is I know at some point I'm going to get in and I'll be ready, and 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 you know that carried over into the summer, and and you know that's that's been the mentality for the last little while. 
And, and also Zach Parisi, and I should have mentioned uh, leading into that clip, Zach also talks, uh, I, I was asking him the question about uh, maybe having a little bit of a chip on his shoulder after the uh, Minnesota Wild bought out his contract, and that's that's also what he was referring to there. But uh, So that's Zach Parisi on coming to the Islanders, and now we'll... Uh, uh, top off this episode, uh, kind of a packed episode, thanks to Mike Rupp, um, with, with, with some of your questions and Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And, and we'll start uh, simply here um, with Thomas Boyle, who asks, do you see any delays that could affect the November 20th opening of UBS Arena. And I will say uh, nothing that I've heard. And I know, you know, having been out to the construction site uh, a few times, there was concern that, <laughs> you know, not that they were running late, but it was going to be a tight squeeze uh, to get done by their target area. But, I, you know, the, the other thing was they were going to go to around-the-clock shifts to get it done. So they have a lot of money invested in this. They keep announcing new shows. They they have a, you know, a hard opening date here. Unless something goes horribly off the rails, uh, you know, uh, I'm thinking another, it would probably have to be another COVID shutdown on construction as they had for a couple of months uh, after March in uh in 2020 uh short of that they're like i said they're working round the clock to get this building done so i i would tend to think that november 20th the islanders will be playing at ubs arena and then uh, a couple of related questions here and i'm gonna try and answer it all together but michael tricarico says, uh, I would like to know how you see the lines, the defensive pairings, and the goaltending rotation shaking out this season. And John Pisano says, I would like to know if you can tell us what the tentative roster is right now. Now, you can always go to the New York Islanders website and, and check out the roster um, as, as of as of me recording this, you know, they have a, a lot of their AHL players, the Simon Holmstroms, the Samuel Bullducks, uh, Robin Sallows, those kind of guys are, they're all listed there along with the varsity players. Um, but if you're asking me a tentative roster, it's, you know, uh, that's, that's asking me to project a roster right now. Um, so I'll just uh, go through that uh, along with the, what I see as possible lines and, and defense pairings. And we'll start with the forwards here. And as you heard Mike Rupp uh, say, Anders Lee is back and he's going to be with Matthew Barzell. Now, who they put on right wing, I, I, I think the options are, are, are Kyle Palmieri or Oliver Wallstrom. And uh, I'm going to project that that's where Palmieri starts. So uh, give me Lee Barzell Palmieri, Beauvillier Nelson Bailey. Uh, I think that line, uh, Barry Trotz has certainly always kind of gravitated back to that. 
Um, so I, I would suspect that's how uh, Barry is going to try and go into the season. So, you know, my top six for the Islanders would be Lee Barzell Palmieri, Beauvillier Nelson Bailey, and then uh, J.G. Pajot is a third-line center. I'm going to say Zach Parisi and Oliver Wallstrom on his wings. And then you've got the Martin Sezikis clutterbuck line. Um, as for extras, um, I think Leo Komarov certainly has a place on the roster unless Lou manages or, or packages him in a, a trade to get some defense help. Um, so other, other than that, I would suspect Leo Komarov starts the season, uh, on the big league roster. I think, and I struggled with this one because you've got Ross Johnson there who the organization really likes and, uh, has always found his way onto the NHL roster, at least the last couple of seasons. You got Richard Panic, who like Leo Komarov can sort of fit that bottom six grinding role. Uh, and has played a little bit more uh, regularly than than a Ross Johnson has, really. Uh, you also got Kiefer Bellows uh, there as well. He's going to be pushing for a spot. Um, but for now, I, I, I think Komarov and Panic, unless you get too much of the same thing, having both of them on the roster, uh, those might be the extras. And then as far as the defense pairings, uh, Pelik Pulak, as you heard Mike Rupp say, he thinks that's the best defense pairing in the NHL, which is certainly high praise. So that's a lock. Pelik Pulak, uh, Andy Green, and Noah Dobson are returning. You figure they're going to be together again. Uh, and then you got Scott Mayfield as a returning right shooting defenseman. And, and this is where the trade of Nick Letty uh, impacts you because who do you play there uh, with Scott Mayfield? And I think, as I said on the, uh, the previous podcast right now, you would probably have to call Thomas Hickey the leader in the clubhouse from internal candidates. Uh, you, so if, if we're saying Pellet Pulak, Green, Dobson, Hickey, Mayfield, um, right now I would say Sebastian Ajo winds up as the extra defenseman. That's 21 skaters. And then you got Semyon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin in net. So that would be 23 if the Islanders carry 23. They can also carry 22 or even 21 uh, to save against the cap. Um, some teams have done that. The Islanders, I believe, have done that in the past. Now, going back to the defensemen, um, this is where the projections, you know, it, it gets kind of muddy and muddled and, and, and tough. Um, as I said, I think Thomas Hickey is the leader in the clubhouse. But as I also said on the previous uh, podcast, and uh, as Mike Rupp mentioned, it would not shock anybody if Lou Lamarillo is, you know, is thinking of something here and, and will bring someone in. Now, internally, uh, the, the left shooting defenseman uh, that you would think would be, you know, competing with a Hickey or an Ajo is you got Mitch Vandesampel, um and Parker Wotherspoon, both uh, with Bridgeport. Um you know they're they're maturing. They're getting to that age where 
this is their time to try and make a crack at the NHL roster. So you got to figure Van de Sumple and Wotherspoon are, are probably going to get some looks in training camp. Robin Sallow, again, a, a second-round pick coming over from Sweden. Um, can he step right into an NHL roster? I, I've said before this might be a little bit tough for for uh, Robin Sallow, who's still just 22 years old and has not played in North America. Um, past couple of seasons, Swedish, you know, with or- Orbro, um, a second round pick. The organization really likes him. Six foot, 185 pounds per hockeydb.com. But he's a left, left-handed shot and uh, certainly some really good scouting reports on Robin Sallow. I, I think uh, eventually he becomes a candidate for the team, as does Samuel Bolduck. I just don't know if right at the start of the season here is is when this happens. Uh, another guy that uh, reportedly has joined the organization is kind of a journeyman, uh, Paul Ledoux. Um, he's played 69 NHL games with the Kings. He's out in North Dakota, both the state and the university. But, but Ledoux is, is 29 and he's a right-handed shot. So he really doesn't help you in terms of replacing uh, Nick Letty, um, who, who, again, is a left-handed shot. And Barry Trotz, like most coaches, will prefer those uh, even mixes of lefties and righties. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I believe Paul Ledoux will be in camp, um, whether he is a real candidate or he's more AHL depth, will I would tend to think he's probably more AHL depth. Now, if you're looking for guys outside the organization, everyone's kind of fixated on Zdeno Chara. Uh, the big man played for uh, for uh, the Capitals last season after, I believe, 14 years with the Bruins. Uh, won a Stanley Cup in, uh, in Boston, along with our friend Johnny Boychuk. Um for 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 a few reasons, Chara makes a ton of sense. Uh, one, he can eat minutes. I think he averaged 18-plus minutes for the Capitals last season. He is 44, but he's kept himself in great shape, and he did not look like what you would think a 44-year-old in the NHL, especially playing defense, would look like uh, last season. He certainly held his own for the Caps. The Caps are not bringing him back, though. Um, it, it makes a ton, of, a ton of sense also if Char is going to end his NHL career and let's face it at 44 you, you gotta think that if he does continue playing it's probably only for one more season why not finish it where he started uh, just kind of come full circle and uh, he started with the Islanders before Mike Milbury traded him away and uh and why not come back and and cap your nhl your your hall of fame career by coming back and and helping out a stanley cup contender in in the islanders it it makes sense because chara is known to want to stay on the east coast last season even though he played in washington his family stayed in boston the whole time um 
New York to Boston is a, a pretty easy trip. And, and also, I, I think the fact that we've heard nothing about Chara other than faint rumors, uh, most of them connecting him to the Islanders, I, I think it suggests one of two things, that either Lou has Chara uh, smack dab in the middle of his radar and he's put that cone of silence over everyone in the NHL, or it might mean that the big man really might not play this season and uh, he's really, uh, you know, deciding, still deciding whether he wants to play or whether he's just comfortable uh, retiring at at this point. Now, uh, another thing, and I bring this up if we're talking about rumors and what might happen uh, defensively, those Vladimir Tarasenko trade rumors are still there. Uh, that the Blues might move on from him or, or try and move him before the regular season begins. Now, Tarasenko has been linked to the Islanders uh, pretty much all off season. It makes sense if you're not thinking salary cap wise. Uh, the Islanders they bring in Parisi and they re-sign Kyle Palmieri, but Tarasenko would be a, a real you know sniper for this. Kind of, for this team, and that, and that's something Oliver Wallstrom could be that kind of guy. He hasn't gotten there yet. Um, Vlad Vlad Tarasenko might help the team, but you know, that would uh, St. Louis might have to retain some salary there. Lou is going to have to send some salary back, and also uh, to, to bring it full circle, I, I mentioned defensively, the Blues are reportedly would be interested in any trade with the Islanders for Tarasenko. Uh, They'd be interested in St. Louis native Scott Mayfield, who's a right-shooting D-man. And if you, hypothetically, if you include Scotty Mayfield in a Tarasenko deal, now with with Letty gone as well, now you're looking for, you know, steadiness both uh, in a right-handed shot and a left-handed shot on the defense. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Lou wants to create that kind of hole as as he's still trying to figure out who might pair with Scott Mayfield. But again, you know, Lou Lou does what Lou does, and uh, there's often not a lot of heads up that he's about to uh, do a Lou, uh, uh, to, to coin a phrase there. So everything's still on the table there, but the, those are just some of my thoughts. I appreciate you... You you guys, Mike Tricarico, John Pisano, Thomas Boyle, really appreciate you guys uh, chiming in with some questions there. Um, and uh, I appreciate all of you for uh, sticking around and listening to this episode of Island Ice, episode 110. And we'll, uh, we'll probably, like I said, uh, the, these podcasts are going to start coming with more frequency because, as I said at the top, we are on the cusp of training camp. We are on the cusp of yet another NHL season. Can't wait to, to dive right back into this and uh, report on your favorite team and uh, get you information. And uh, uh, just a friendly reminder, uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter, Andrew Gross, at A Gross Newsday. And any and all Islanders content is available on the Newsday website. That's newsday.com backslash sports or newsday.com backslash aisles and that includes 
all the back episodes of the Island Ice podcast. I thank you once again for listening and for your loyalty. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.